Welcome to Purpose Inc., the podcast where we discuss corporate purpose and stakeholder capitalism. I'm your host, Michael Young. A lot has changed in a few short months in 2020. First COVID, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter. We've seen a tremendous amount of brand response to all of this social change. Some of it good and positive, some of it, frankly, off-key. And I've wanted to address the consumer brand media social action dynamic for a while. And I'm excited to welcome Melissa Anderson to the podcast. Melissa is the co-founder and president of Public Good Software. And Public Good Social Impact Platform has become the leader in making news actionable, working with leading publishers, including CNN, Tribune Media, HuffPost, Vice, and brands such as Microsoft, Unilever, and Danone. And Public Good sits at the intersection between brands, media, and social activism. And it has the ability to make news actionable. So to put it in an example, you're reading a story about Black Lives Matter and through Public Good's partnership with media organizations, a reader could click on a link to go directly to make a contribution or a gift to Black Lives Matter. Um, Same could be said for the Red Cross for disaster relief. So today, Melissa and I talk about the actions that brands are uh, and should take, particularly in light of the social change that's going on. We talk about why brands are sometimes uncomfortable to take action around their purpose initiatives and how public good can enable some of that. Uh, We talk about the erosion of trust in media, government, and institutions and why brands are well-positioned to call consumers to action and engage consumers. So great interview, great conversation. So without further ado, my discussion and interview with Melissa Anderson of Public Good. Melissa, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Michael. Excellent. So lots to talk about today. Um, Just For the benefit of our listeners, Public Good sits at the intersection between brands, media, and NGOs, social activists. So could you unpack that and explain the role of Public Good and and how you interact with each of those stakeholders? Sure, absolutely. And so I think that the best uh, place is to start with really what we do. Um, Public Good is America's leading AI for good technology, which makes news and content actionable. So what I mean by that is if you're reading a story about anything from climate change to domestic violence or social justice to COVID-19 and how it's affecting us, we serve actions uh, right within the article that the reader can take to, to make a difference. So kind of changing the paradigm of content from being likable and shareable to, to also being actionable. And look, the idea of an action like Donate to the American Red Cross being an immediate article about a natural disaster is, is not new. But what is new is how scalable our tech can do this on a completely automated basis. So our sophisticated uh, artificial intelligence machine learning really goes beyond keywords. So when an article is published, 
it's able to truly understand what that article is about and then serve actions that make sense to make a difference. And these are on our publisher and partner sites, including you know, everyone from CNN, HuffPost, and Vice to Vox and USA Today, as well as local news leaders like, like Meredith and, and Gatehouse. And so um, we give the opportunity for, for brands to actually sponsor these actions in the news. So that does two things. Uh, that drives awareness of what those purpose brands are doing to make a difference. And it empowers people to, to make a difference alongside that brand, to participate with the brand. So I know you asked me about kind of each stakeholder. So um, I can kind of talk through that and, and what that looks like. So for the, for the media partner, I mean, really by having these actions and content, you know, they're, they're changing that feeling that their readers feel after reading bad news to feeling bad about what they're reading about in the state of the world to feeling good that they were able to do something to make a difference. And from a business perspective, that drives both both reader engagement and changes brand perception. For for the brands, it gives them the opportunity to amplify the good work they're doing and drive participation from readers, which drives both impact and brand perception for the, the brand as well. From from the reader perspective, you know, we're able to empower consumers to make an impact and to make them you know, happier after they've read the news rather than, than feeling depressed. And then, of course, the NGO piece of this uh, is a fourth stakeholder. You know, they are the beneficiary in many of these campaigns, whether they are sponsored by a brand um, or if they're non-brand sponsored actions. Got it. And so, Melissa, what you were just describing is that your social impact platform? Yes, that is our public good social impact platform, which essentially um, lives within our actions, you know, all over these media news sites. People often ask me, you know, I don't know if I've seen you. I'm like, you've probably seen this many times. Um, but, you know, we are really the, the capability behind the actions. They're not always branded. So if you go to CNN, we're um, powering all of their COVID actions. If you go to USA Today, we are the engine um, behind their racial justice actions that were actually just one live today. So, Right on. Fantastic. Well, and that's an area where I want to dig into. And, you know, I think when we started talking uh, a couple months ago, just planning this episode, you know, we... COVID was the big story. And since then, we've had the murder of George Floyd and others, uh, Breonna Taylor, uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, among others, and and Black Lives Matter has really come front and center. So there, there's been a lot of brand response. So I'd love to get your view of that, given where kind of you are in the ecosystem and and what's what's changed since you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, in terms of how brands are interacting uh, along the lines of social action. Sure. Yeah. Um, twenty twenty has been a year of of fast and rapid change. So it does. It feels like so long ago when we first connected. So um, thank you for kind of bringing us up to today's moment. You know, I think as I look back um, over brands' response beginning in March. You know, at, at first there was this this pause of what you know what should we do this um, paralysis, which is normal. But you know, generally, you know, many brands step forward in relatively a very short time frame to activate. You know, especially a short time frame when we look at the the bigger global brands. And when we look at the the responses, you know, we found that really the the best responses followed what 
what we've uh, called the ACE framework. And so um, A is around act, you know, B is around communicate what you're doing, and then three is that E, empowering others to, to make uh, a difference and, and either give or get help around COVID. And I can explain more about that framework later, but I think a, a great example of, of some of the brand response we saw, you know, was, was Nestle. Um, they donated a million dollars to No Kid Hungry to tell, help the 22 million kids who had lost access to their school lunch uh, when schools closed due to COVID-19. And then in addition to, to communicating that, Nestle empowered families to help um, find a meal through their online meal finder, which is really that final piece and empowering people to get the help they need and to, to give help as well. Look, as we, as we turn to talk about the response to George Floyd and um, Black Lives Matter, now it's top of mind, especially for me today as I'm reading CNN headlines um, and Unilever's recent movement uh, to halt advertising at least through the end of the year. Um, I think what's top of mind is the you know, stop hate for profit movement. So um, for those that may not be familiar, um, there's a number, a growing number of brands that are boycotting Facebook advertising for the month of July. And it's great to see that not only the Patagonia and Ben and Jerry activist type of brands are jumping on board, but also a lot of the mainstream brands such as Verizon and a number of leading agencies urging their clients to join as well. And as I mentioned um, just an hour ago, uh, Unilever made their announcement and like, look, this is significant. You know, their company was a third, 30th highest spender on Facebook advertising in 2019, you know, pouring more than 42 million into the platform. So this is this is really a game changer. I think that um, this is really going to cause uh, Facebook and the social media platforms to need to relook at their content in light of losing these advertising dollars. And I think that all of this kind of wraps up to say this is a great example of brands taking real action, even when there may be a short-term loss of sales when they halt this advertising. Yeah, I think that is a. <clears throat> I've been actually very pleased to see that um, that particular boycott come into being, and I do hope it 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 it, it has an impact. I, uh, Scott Galloway, if you follow him, said about Facebook, "This is not about the First Amendment. This is about Second Gulf Stream." Mm, yeah. Right. So it's just about money. And I think money, money, money talks. And if, if advertisers say, hey, enough's enough, you've got to change, maybe finally Facebook will get the message and, and change. Um, so, you know, I think one of, so brands, brands getting into um, social action is not new. Um, but I think there's, th there are always, steps forward and missteps and i guess what you know what action should brands be undertaking and what should they be avoiding in the realm of social action and impact from your standpoint sure yeah that's that's a, a great question and you know thanks for bringing that up and i think that does bring us to the the framework i mentioned earlier um the ace kind of ace framework which is you know first um act you know when when these issues hit hard and it's really important to prioritize and you know get advice as needed to establish where do you want to be you know um as it relates to diversity as an example and your plan for improvement 
Um, and then secondly, you know, really focus on communicating. Talk about what you're, you're doing, but even more importantly, talk about your plan to get better. I mean, look, most brands don't have an ideal track record if you begin to dig in and look at pay disparity and board representation. But rather than making a big statement or advertisement about what you stand for, you know, consider talking about your commitments and your path forward, including the plan of action that you are taking, um, as well as empowering others uh, to take action alongside you as well. And I think, um, you know, as, as you mentioned, the, the George Floyd murder is very, um, I think, you know, and, and racial justice is a scary topic, you know, for brands, but if we, to approach, but if we even look at how the sustainability communication has been effective and saying, you know, rather than we're going to be totally sustainable tomorrow, we're committed, you know, it's more of what is our journey? We'll pledge to cut the carbon footprint by X percent by X year. And this type of approach acknowledges that the brand is not perfect, but also demonstrates a commitment to improvement. Um, and I think as you, you ask what action should brands be, be undertaking, um, you know, I think that due to, you know, the fear of backlash, you know, a, a lot of brands have uh, backed away. And I think the most dangerous um, the most important thing to understand is, is that silence itself is absolutely a statement. And that's a mistake to think by speaking out, uh, you're not staying neutral or staying safe from criticism. Yeah, I think that's the really big point. And I think the what I've noticed and what I've seen and read and heard and talking to other people is that, you know, silence is no longer acceptable. Action Tone and deed are the the alignment between tone and deed is really what needs needs to happen. It, and 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 I, but I think there is going to be some forgiveness for mistakes more than ever. In other words, come out, make a mistake, rather than sit back and you know wait for someone else to do the job. Yeah, and I think. That that I think is is maybe, and 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 I think you know because the the the, the Black Lives Matter is no longer just African Americans. It has absolutely transformed almost overnight into multiracial, multi generational, multicultural. Everyone is behind this. Well. I wouldn't say everyone, but many more. A vast majority of Americans are behind this. Um, and I, that's, that's the feeling I'm getting in the, in what I've observed is come out, make a mistake, better to make a mistake in good faith than to do nothing. And I think the do nothing part is the thing that's going to have to go away quickly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely right on. Uh, and then you know, in addition to that, I think one of the most dangerous ways to respond would be to you know, make a, a big bold statement without an action plan backing that, you know, said a different way, adds that action does run that list of risk of backlash. So I think as you're saying, be brave, do something rather than nothing, but, but do something. Don't just say something. <laughs> it's a good way. Yes. To it correct. Up. Correct. Yes. How about it? Um, okay. So, and, and then the, the media piece is interesting uh, to me in particular, obviously I've worked in, communications and media for a long time and so you're get, you're you're creating some connective tissue then between 
brands, media, readers, say more about kind of that role and and how how can and I, I'm going to have uh, Meg Parker Young on the podcast uh, uh, coming up um, to talk about kind of the role of me the 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 role of media and the connection to trust. And so, how do you think about trust and reader connection broadly? Yeah. So I think you know, there's a couple. Um, directions, you know, to, to take that. I mean, I think that, you know, when we think about trust today, um, I think that, you know, major brands are actually in, in one of the best positions um, in terms of being a trusted force um, because consumers are really looking to them to kind of play this role as we've seen trust erosion over time, you know, be it with government institutions or media. Um, and, you know, I'm hopeful that you know, we can work to rebuild that trust around media government institutions over time. But today, uh, as background, I think it's, it's you know, when we look at the Edelman Trust Barometer, it's clear that people are really hungry for information and that they're looking to brands um, for that. So a couple of data points that are, are top of mind um, out of the Edelman Trust Barometer, one, you know, 78% of people are expecting businesses to engage, help, and protect the greater communities they're serving in addition to their employees. So to, to really to play that broad role and 80% of people want brand communications to focus on how they're helping people and what people should do. Um, 85% of people want brands to use their power to really educate the public around what's happening with today's pressing issues. So I think that, you know, really the spotlight is turning on, on brands as a trusted source. Um, for information in this really unusual time. Absolutely. You know, and I've heard that from Alice Korngold, who's definitely a thinker and a thought leader here. Um, I I just interviewed uh, Eric Wogelmuth from Future 500. and, And it's not that brands can do everything, but brands do have great power. Um, and that that corporate citizenship has to be uh, turned all to a real force for good, you know. And and the the one thing as you were talking, I was thinking a lot about is this interconnection. And Eric Wogelmuth talks about this about the interconnection now between employees and activists, and and a lot of changes. Changes coming from consumers, absolutely, and especially intergenerational. But it's coming inside from inside too, right? The calls coming from inside the building, and and I think that's also a very positive move. Is we're starting to see companies really listen to employees and customers. Absolutely, and if we you know if we think about that employee piece, you know, um, attracting top talent. Retrain, yeah. you know, retaining your best people. I mean, are the the two most, you know, very important things for a company to th- thrive and and grow market share. And so, both of those are dramatically impacted by how a company um, is acting or or not acting in terms of their responsibility. Yeah, and those and those factors go off the chart intergenerationally, right? Gen yeah. Z and millennials, millennials are just like yeah. no more. 
time out. Not doing it. Uh, not doing it. Just no, no, no. So I think, again, that the forces for change are putting pressure on organizations in a, in a positive way. And we are starting to see that movement. Um, so how should brands be thinking about measuring purpose, right? There are a lot ESG stocks are clearly outperforming the market right now. Uh, we've got we've got old measures like NPS and and satisfaction surveys. In your view, what other what other tools are out there? How else should brands be thinking about engaging with stakeholders? Sure. Yeah. And and to to double down on your point about ESG, I mean, look, it's from the business roundtable to Edelman's trust barometer to the Harvard Business Review. We're seeing acknowledgement from leading CEOs, business leaders, and marketers that consumers are already seeing purpose as their key to purchasing, even before 2020. Massive growth of ESG, uh, investing, and uh, social responsibility investing as well has been unprecedented and now is, is measured in trillions. And I think shows that even the most results-focused investors see the importance of purpose and, and company's performance. So um, I think what's missing um, you know, as we, as you ask me, you know, the old terms like NPS and today we're looking at the move in the market, but I think what's missing is, is translating these high level goals to targets and KPIs for folks below the C-suite, like the marketing, communications, media buyers, and agencies. It isn't particularly hard to do. Purpose has measurable, significant media impact on virtually all brand affinity metrics like net promoter score. Um, which has been repeatedly shown to drive these KPIs like customer acquisition, cost retention. And, you know, larger scale deployments have been shown to lead to purchasing preference. But all too often discussion of purpose is kind of left to CSR or other parts of big organizations that have limited budget. So they aren't able to activate at a scale that meaningfully moves these numbers. And so to get the benefit from purpose, it really needs to be done at scale. And that means it needs to be put into people's object objectives at really every level of the organization. And, you know, some, some see this as distasteful because it doesn't feel like you should benefit from purpose or translate this into KPIs all the way through the organization. But the truth is that the only way to make significant impact is to align it with company outcomes and stakeholder objectives. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. If there's anything capitalism is good at, it's measuring. Yeah. Right. And it, and why shouldn't this be measured? Absolutely. Categorically. And, and, and metrics have to, you get what you measure. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I think that that's, that's that next piece of evolution to take the goal at the highest level of purpose, sustainability, et cetera. And how can we translate that down to, you know, the, the day-to-day marketing executions that, that are coming out of the digital marketing departments or, or the agencies um, versus um, metrics like impressions, I've all seen those, those type of right of things that, that don't that level back up to advertising, but don't level back up mm. to purpose and brand sentiment. Well, and, and if it's a, an engineered soundbite, congratulations, but you said purpose is the key to purchase. Yeah. If that's, if that's <laughs> one of your soundbites, it's amazing. I'm going to maybe use that as the 
title of this sh- uh, of this episode. Um, but you know, I, I I think absolutely categorically, there are decisions about brands are being made that now, based on brand behavior, that are going to last decades. And I think that's really what again we're seeing in terms of intergenerational pressure on brands and consumer behavior. Consumers are voting with their feet and their dollars. Yeah. Um, and it and it ultimately is going to ladder up to a, a a material risk issue to bring it back to what the board and the C-suite understand is materiality and risk. And this is this is now a long-term risk issue is if we don't get this right, it is going to impact our survivability. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, you know, as you mentioned, long-term effect and survivability, it's, it is really interesting to see that, you know, as, as we look at the, you know, every major brand is going to have a misstep at some point in their, um, you know, in their journey. And, you know, for those brands that, that have a strong consumer sentiment, when they have the misstep, the stock rebounds fairly quickly. For those brands that don't have that really trust from the consumer, um, then those missteps uh, are much more costly. So, you know, we talked about purpose being key to purchase, uh, but it's just also just key to this long-term, you know, really misc mitigation around everything from purchase to brand reputation. Yeah. All right. Melissa, this has been a fantastic uh, discussion and I'm, we're going to check back with you in the months ahead. See, we're coming to the end of season one. So okay. expect, expect an invitation back uh, next later in the year, maybe early next um, for season two to continue this discussion, because I think your your unique position, public goods software's position in is is gonna is gonna ultimately prove out to be very vital as brands and media continue to and 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 consumers continue to intersect. So I'm very grateful to you for your time and your insights today. Thank you so much. Well thank you so much. This has been a pleasure and I really look forward to rejoining um, as the year progresses. Fantastic. All right. We're going to leave it there. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. The Purposing Podcast is a production of Actual Agency, helping innovators communicate in a changing world. More at www.actual.agency.